While we were sleeping, historian Dale McAllister solved another mystery. I, I went home and I typed in Google um, Freedon's Church Records, Rockingham County, Virginia, and up popped this Virginia Gin Web, which is a local thing from Rockingham County Records. And in there, it had this, this uh, index, which gave all the pages that Johannes Schmidt was listed on. And some of the, the larger page numbers are the ones on back through the years. I had noticed it had the grandparents listed, which meant we would know three different generations just from that one entry in the records. Okay, yeah. so, John, it's January 13th, 2023, 12 p.m., and we just found out definitively through the sources of these Lutheran church records that your ancestry goes back to Johannes Albrecht Schmidt, born 1729, and literally, you know, the German town where he came from, and it's all here right in these church records. And all of this on a day that is traditionally considered bad luck, Friday the 13th. <laughs> Just so you know, I've always said Friday the 13th is my lucky day. <laughs> According to the Library of Congress, more than 5 million people left Germany for the United States during the 19th century. The United States once again became a refuge for fleeing persecution. Anti-Semitic violence in Germany and Austria-Hungary drove thousands of Jews from Germany to emigrate. The social turmoil of Europe in the 19th century also sent many intellectuals and scholars to the United States. In particular, supporters of the Revolution of 1848 in Germany brought their tradition of vigorous public debate, including land reform, abolition, workers' rights, and women's suffrage. Despite a large German population, Ohio was not immune to the anti-German sentiment stirred up by World War I. To show their support for American efforts in Europe, local residents changed their street names and banned easily identifiable signs of Germany. New Berlin, for instance, was changed to New Canton out of solidarity with those fighting overseas. The late historian Frederick C. Lubke of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln wrote extensively about German-American history. In April 1917, the United States Congress, at President Wilson's request, declared war on Germany. Thousands of super-patriotic Americans now believed it to be their duty to wage a war on German culture on the domestic front. German-language newspapers were subjected to crippling censorship. German language instruction in the schools was nearly eliminated, and all manifestations of German culture, from the performance of Beethoven's symphonies to the presentation of Schiller's plays, were discouraged, if not expressly forbidden. Innumerable acts of oppression were committed against innocent German-American citizens whose loyalty to their adopted country was now under suspicion. In varying degrees, national, state, and German local governments supported the anti-German hysteria. For many German-Americans, Wilson became the symbolic source of their persecution. Since the mid-1930s, German-American political behavior has taken on a substantially different character. 
In earlier decades, there had been open and vocal attempts to organize the German Americans into a block of voters unified by ethnic group concerns. The German language press had taken strong positions and had argued them forcefully and sometimes stridently. Organizations had been created to marshal the German-American vote on a national scale. But as the assimilation process took its toll of ethnic consciousness, Hitlerian brutality and Nazi excess transformed German ethnicity in America into a source of social and psychological discomfort, if not distress. The overt expression of German-American opinion consequently declined, and in more recent years, virtually disappeared as a reliable index of the political attitudes of those Americans for whom German ethnicity continues as a significant part of their lives. In other words, German-American leadership has disappeared even though distinctive German-American voting has continued in some quarters. In the 1960s, I would attend lectures at the local branch of the Ohio State University. One I remember was a woman who had been liberated from Auschwitz in Germany just 20 years before. It was quite a moving speech, and speaking with her about her life left an indelible mark on me. Now, knowing my background, I realized that even as Germans were being persecuted here in America in the 17 and 1800s, in the 1900s, atrocities much worse were being committed in Germany against the Jews. That's why we must be students of history and understand how it shapes us. My conservative values growing up in Ohio, for instance, come most likely from my German heritage, and I would have never known that. So much of history of the world is made by people who have traveled to escape wars and conflicts in search of new opportunities and new lands. And what happens is politics follows them and ends up overshadowing their humanity and history begins to repeat itself in very short order. Because no matter where you go, there you are. So that's why Johann Schmidt becomes John Smith and that's why Iran Devar Ardalan becomes Devar. We go from carrying our heritage to becoming neutral because in my case, John Smith is neutral. We anglicized our name. It's not celebrating your differences, it's abandoning them. All this time, I thought we were English, but we weren't. So when you think about it, our issues come not so much from our ethnicity, but from our inability to solve differences and coexist. So nice to meet you again. Yes, John. Cousin Richard and his brother Edley and I grew up in Jackson Center, Ohio. Their mom was a Latin teacher. For many years, Richard was superintendent of schools in West Holmes and Holmes County, Ohio. He was also executive director emeritus of the Buckeye Association of School Administrators and fought for school finance, even taking a case to the Supreme Court. He's received national recognition for championing education for more than 40 years. Jackson Center and the whole Western Ohio area to where it became a, a real magnet for uh, German settlement. In Jackson Center, it was just a fait accompli. It never really was a situation where it was this side or that side. And yet in other counties, not very far from 
where that where Jackson Center is, people very clearly celebrated their German heritage. You go about 40 miles away and you've got so many German Catholic or German Protestant churches, some of them look like cathedrals. They're, they're huge. Because my German heritage growing up was really from my mother's side of the family. Yeah, and I, I believe, um, I believe, Dick, that they, they were also, they didn't drink and uh, they came from a very strict religious uh, background. That probably had something to do with it. There were no Oktoberfests. This is the other side of the family, but this is my grandfather. And uh, he had a pharmacy here in Jackson Center for a long time. He had his license up until he passed away, but he, yeah. up until the early 50s, he was, uh, he was our pharmacist here. Yeah, so. Wow. That's Richard's brother, Edley. He has the distinction of being the youngest mayor ever elected in Jackson Center, Ohio home to the iconic Airstream trailer. We have so many memories growing up. Edley's dad was county commissioner for Shelby County, Ohio, and rode on the train with Truman when he was campaigning against Eisenhower. I want to know about when you were mayor of Jackson Center, because you decided to run for mayor back in the 80s, was it? Back in the... Actually, 70s. 70s, okay. And I won in a rather large margin, so I think the village was... People were ready for a change. Of course, they knew my family a little bit, but yep. I, I had no experience, didn't know what I was getting into, but I, you know, I've led meetings and stuff before, but yeah. uh, shortly after I got elected, I turned 29, you know, I stressed this kind of history. So yeah. I was there four years and probably would have stayed on a little longer, but uh, dad got sick the last year I was mayor. And when he had a stroke and was in the nursing home, and I just knew that I was taking helping mom take care of the farm and things like that. It just was way too much. So I decided not to run. Uh, then he passed away before the first of the year, but I, I turned it over to a, a classmate of mine who was on council, and he was president of council, and he became the mayor in uh, 1984, and he's been mayor ever since. So oh. he's, been, he's been mayor for almost 40 years now. So That's incredible. Wow. So I went from the youngest mayor to the longest serving mayor. So. <laughs> yeah. Jackson Center, where Hardin and family moved, is a quiet little town of 1,500 people in western Ohio. It seems to be idyllic. In those days, my older brother would take me pheasant and rabbit hunting in the fields. And of course, my cousins, such as Edley, Richard, and their sisters, were great fun. But there was also so much to talk about when our parents were together as they were teachers, musicians, politicians, and accountants, and yet primarily farmers. Beyond farming, the primary local business of Jackson Center in the 1960s was, and still is, the Airstream Trailer Company. Western Ohio folks may seem a humble and studious lot, but they are not at all opposed to adventure. In fact, one of our local Western Ohio sons became the first man to ever walk on the moon. The whole world watched in awe as one of these quiet, hardworking people who had traveled from Europe to Virginia by cramped Spartan sailing vessels, traveled from the earth to the moon and back in cramped Spartan flying vessels. And upon their return, the astronauts were all quarantined in one of those Airstream trailers. The following scene was recorded on a reel-to-reel tape player when I was 16 years old in the living room of our house with my grandmother and grandfather 
mother and father, and I think even my sister might have been present in the room. I guess it was my first podcast. Eagle, you're looking great. Coming up nine minutes. July 20th, 1969. It is 10 p.m. The following are the voices of Neil A. Armstrong, Air Force Colonel Edwin Aldrin, Jr. They are the first men to ever walk on the moon. We're now in the approach phase. Everything looking good. Altitude 5,200 feet. <laughs> we copy you down, Eagle. John Smith, but there's nothing common about me. This journey of embracing the unknown about my family has really paid off. Through archives, family interviews, we time traveled and unraveled secrets of my family tree. We gave life to lost voices and forgotten family. Sometimes the greatest discoveries in life come from moments we least expect. And for this, I just can't thank my amazing wife, soulmate, and best friend enough for her insane idea to create this podcast ahead of my 70th birthday, to go back centuries together, and to reveal the world of my roots. If you haven't already, why don't you take a journey back in time? Get to know your roots. According to the United States Census, today, more than 42 million Americans claim ancestry from Germany. They have blended seamlessly into American society. But, they make up the biggest self-reported ancestry group in America. From Christmas trees, to hamburgers and pretzel, our cultural influences can be seen throughout all aspects of life. Thank you Johannes Albrecht Schmidt for all the sacrifices you made in the 1700s, and for your part in building America. A few weeks ago, I was just a country boy from Ohio, Scotch-Irish, and some English thrown in for good measure. Today, I'm mostly German, if not by name, but by pedigree. The persecution of each of us is a painful part of humanity. Its effects continue long after we pass from this life. My family were frontiersmen and women who had hid their identity. Their background of pacifism mixed with heroism in the battlefield, multiculturalism mixed with religious zealotry created who we are in the 21st century. We are humble yet strong, intelligent yet wise, a family that has born a new generation that will continue to be salt of the earth. Our children, seven boys and a girl, have grown into strong and amazing people. Some of the boys love hunting. They hunt deer, bear, and even elk in northern Pennsylvania. And now I understand even more why they are so drawn to that. It's in their Smith DNA too. Harden would be as proud of them as I am, of their entrepreneurial spirit and their love of adventure. They are carrying on their tradition of hard work, sacrifice, and acceptance that has become a family tradition. It is my wife, Iran DeVars, and my philosophy that humanity is like a field of wildflowers. Many different colors, so many varieties, but the beauty is in the whole, and each contributes to that beauty. 
We stay true to our beliefs without compromise with the understanding that all people deserve to be treated with dignity. Well, believe me, our next trip is going to be Baden-Württemberg and Strasbourg and the Alsace region because I am sure that there are records there that we need to research. Ahoy there. If you are intrigued by our podcast, don't forget, it's me, CK. Not only do I appear on the podcast, I am also your friendly artificial intelligence assistant with a hint of flair from Germany. As your podcasting robot buddy, I can whisk you away into our archives, spill the beans about our hosts, and sprinkle in some wunderbar fun facts from each episode. Come, chat with me via text online and on the socials. Let's embark on a fantastic journey through our content, yeah?